0: Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of the Pouring My Art Out podcast. Hey, my podcast is old enough to buy liquor now. This episode is entitled Driving Miss Crazy, which won't be funny to you unless you remember the movie Driving Miss Daisy, and maybe not even then. Please bear with me while I try to justify how the following stories belong in a podcast that is supposedly about art. I suppose I will let the stories tell themselves, and between each segment I will attempt to put an artistic spin on the part I just told. There will be a brief drum riff to end each bit just before my justification. But first, let's hear from a new sponsor. Drumpf Industries, makers of power ties, extra long ties for the extra powerful man, now offers a wider power tie made from extra absorbent space age material, perfect for wiping fried chicken grease off your face and hands, or mopping up that sweat on your face when you have to give a speech under hot lights to a smaller than expected crowd available in seven powerful shades of red and now we offer power shoes no slip treads to keep you safe on long slippery ramps also with a toilet paper resistant coating on the heel that's double the protection for one low cost power ties and power shoes from drumpf industries Okay, here we go. Every word of these stories is absolutely true. Driving Miss Crazy, part one, or the water slide. Not as much fun as it sounds. Today, I am going to try something new. I am going to tell a series of stories about just one subject, sort of. These stories will deal with a five-year period of my life that ended quite a while ago. The subject of these stories is the period when I worked for a lithograph company here in San Diego. This is the longest I ever held a job, and I quit just before Jessica, my oldest daughter, was born so I could be a stay-at-home dad. I hear you all moaning and looking for the nearest exit. Why is he going to torture us with stories about working at a lithograph company, I can hear you all muttering. Oh, ye of little faith! If you stick with me on this, you will gain keen insight into the strange workings of my art-sided brain function, and maybe even damage some internal organs as you roll on the floor laughing uncontrollably. Also, because of the fact that I drove thousands of miles a month trying to deliver everything from small boxes of business cards to half a million deposit slips for Bank of America, some of my more interesting near-death experience stories happened during this time. So fasten your seatbelt, it's going to be a bumpy ride. I will start with one such near-death experience, although I suppose there is a small chance that I might have just been horribly maimed but somehow managed to survive this one, but near horrible maiming story just doesn't have the same ring to it. So there I was, driving the big white Chevy work van down on Sorrento Valley Road. It was a beautiful sunny day and things were going smoothly. Too smoothly. Sorrento Valley is a wide road in an industrial park area. I came around a wide sweeping turn and suddenly there was a lake in front of me. Not a real lake. There was a water leak of some sort from an irrigation system someone was putting in. The water covered a huge area, but it was only an inch or two deep. Nothing that would make any of us nervous, or so I thought. The very instant I hit the water, I felt the steering go all mushy. We have all heard of hydroplaning. Most of us have probably done it. I know I have, but not like this. It usually lasts for a split second or two and is over before you have time to do anything stupid. But this time, I just kept going and going, and the van started to turn sideways. I couldn't remember what the correct procedure for hydroplaning was. All I knew was that you are not supposed to slam on the brakes because that makes it worse. And I thought I recalled hearing that you should not try to steer because then when you hit the dry cement again, your wheels might be facing the wrong way and that could be really bad. As in rolling over and over bad. Well, as I sat there trying to figure out what to do, I was still traveling at about 50 miles an hour. But now the van had turned almost completely sideways. I was shooting a huge rooster tail of water, sort of a wave, out in front of me, which I had a great view of out of my driver's side window because that was now my windshield, basically. I didn't want to make things worse by gripping the steering wheel, so I just sort of held my hands up in front of my face like a surgeon drying his hands after scrubbing up. At this very moment, I glanced out the front window, which wasn't in front anymore, but we may as well continue to call it that, because I saw movement. I was going fast enough that I had caught up to another vehicle which was moving about 30 miles per hour. A sensible speed to travel across a pond, as it turns out, because their car was still facing the right way. So the driver of the other car, seeing my monster wave out of the corner of his eye, turns to see what is causing it. And for just a brief moment, we were looking into each other's eyes. I still had my hands held up in front of me, and something inside me, that wicked sense of humor that could still laugh in the face of death or serious bodily injury, caused me to wave at him and give him a wink, as though this whole sliding sideways down a street had been my idea, and so far, the plan was working perfectly. I wish I could explain the look on that guy's face. I also wish that I could say I did something brilliant to get myself out of this fix, but the sad honest truth is that as the van slowed, it slowly spun itself back the other way, and when I hit dry road, I was straight enough to manage to get it back under control after some fairly impressive fishtailing. I admit that this story does not have a strong finish, but if I had died, I wouldn't have been able to tell you the story in the first place. So, uh, telling a good story is an art form,
1: isn't it? It's one of the first art forms, Arthur.
0: Driving Miss Crazy, Part 2, or The Dead Body in the Dumpster. Back during my delivery driver days, I had a rather strange habit, well, obviously more than just one, of poking my head into trash dumpsters. I did this because the lithograph company I worked for did a lot of work with other printing and advertising and fine art companies. These kind of businesses tend to throw away a lot of really good quality paper scraps and misprints and that sort of thing. I would use these remnants as art paper, backgrounds, or weird artwork to cut up and incorporate into my other weird art projects. One day I opened a dumpster lid and got a rather unpleasant surprise. Sticking out from under the usual assortment of plastic trash bags and mixed paper scraps were the naked legs of a young woman. My first thought after, why does this kind of thing always happen to me, I know I'm not proud of this, was that I would be stuck there for hours answering questions posed by police detectives, and my bosses were not going to be happy. Fortunately, on closer inspection, it turned out not to be a murder victim. It was just the bottom half of a store mannequin. Well, this is already a pretty good story. Why don't I just stop right there, I hear you asking. Oh, if only I could, I hear myself reply. I crawled into that dumpster and grabbed those shapely legs. I threw them into the van and brought them back to the shop. I didn't know yet what I was going to do with them, but I knew those legs and I were going to have some good times together. There were two of them. The legs, I mean, on the bottom half of a store mannequin, as you might well suspect. One leg was straight and was attached to the hips and a rather pert butt. The other leg was seductively bent and could be removed. It was attached at mid thigh with a peg with a little crossbar. You could take the leg off, I presume to make dressing the mannequin or womanikin or personakin easier. This seems like a job I might be good at and I will have to see if there are any openings in this field. Then the pretty plaster and paint lady would stand daintily balanced on one foot as if in mid-stride displaying shoes or dresses or whatever. This sounds like a job I would not be particularly good at. Back at the shop I dusted those legs off and found a red marker so I could touch up her toenails. It started off simply enough I would park the van down the street from work where I could no longer be seen by the other employees, and then I would just stick the two legs attached together normally out of the passenger window. <laughs> by propping the hips on the seat and using the seatbelt to secure them, hey, safety first, the legs would be stuck out of the window from knees to toes. This made it look as if a scantily clad, or perhaps even naked, woman was trying to tan her legs while I drove her around. I got a lot of honks and waves and smiles from other drivers. Mostly male drivers, but not all comedy appeals to everyone. But then I came up with a better plan. I kept the straight leg in its original position at the passenger window. Then I took the slightly bent removable leg and hung the crook at the back of the knee out the driver's window draped over my side rearview mirror. While I drove, I could rest my left hand on the thigh of this leg, and just by pushing it back and forth, it made it look as if the lady were gently swinging her leg, perhaps in time to some music. It added a very lifelike touch. Now, this might not immediately strike you as a vast improvement over the old setup. From some views, it now looked as if I had two women sunbathing in the van, and one of them was perhaps sitting on my lap. Maybe. Men looked at me with obvious respect. They let me cut in front of them whenever I wanted to. I was a rock star. The thing is that from directly behind the van, it didn't look like two women. It looked like one woman with inconceivably long legs. People started to follow me around, honking and not in the bad way that they sometimes used to. People took photographs. A highway patrolman on a motorcycle got behind me once. I was worried. This would be hard to explain to the boss. The cop pulled up on my right side and glanced at me. I smiled in what I hoped was a nonchalant manner. He dropped back, crossed two lanes, and then pulled up beside me on the left side. Then he grinned, gave me a thumbs up, and scooted off down the highway. I am not making a word of this up. Eventually, I grew bored of the legs. I replaced them with a very large cardboard hand that I cut out, painted, and used a black marker to draw knuckle whorls, fingernails, and even a watch. I added duct-taped loops so I could strap the big hand over my own. Then I folded down all the fingers but one, and I could now flip off people with the jumbo bird. Useful for bad drivers with bad vision. I also hand printed a set of big flashcards with handy driving tips and hints, which I used to kindly instruct poor drivers around me, you know, as a sort of public service. I still have those legs in the garage somewhere. I used them for Halloween fun. One year I thought it would be funny to have them sticking out from under my car. We lived on a busy street then, and I almost caused some accidents. It did look a little like someone had been horribly run over. I just moved them to our porch and covered the ends with red paint, and they became a more traditional Halloween set of severed limbs. I ended up cutting the long leg apart and adding rope tendons so it was articulated. Then I would hold it by my side while wearing a raincoat. Now it looked as if I had three legs. I would put different socks and shoes on both my real feet and the fake one. I had little moves worked out where I could stand on my real middle leg, lift the other two and spin around, or I would walk with the two outer legs moving together. I think I stole this idea from a comedian I saw years ago on TV. But even I find myself copying a really good idea now and then. Hey, I was looking for art supplies.
1: Hey, Arthur, how many real dead bodies have you found?
0: Don't worry about it, man. Field McCoy's mountain meat. Fresh game is the only game in town. If it can be shot, it can be got. Possum, squirrel, beaver, skunk, jackrabbit, snakes of all kinds and many other things. Mailed fresh from the ice house to your house. Not available in all states. You need to do your own gutting, cleaning and butchering. From the Ozarks to you, a meal Daniel Boone would have been jealous of. Hatfield McCoy's Mountain Meat. See our website for details. Get yourself some mountain meat. Driving Miss Crazy, Part 3. Or, things I do to entertain myself. So I have mentioned that I am not an ideal employee. Or, husband. Because my mind tends to wander. What was I talking about? When I get bored, my mind does strange things to entertain itself. Here is one of the things I did while I was working as a delivery driver. I got one of those little sound effects machines. It's like a cheap toy that has buttons on it that made funny laser sounds and ray gun sounds and alien beeping noises. You were supposed to use it to relieve stress while driving by pretending to zap bad drivers rather than flipping them off or running them off the road. We were so naive back then. I also had a beeper, or I guess it was called a pager, given to me by my boss that I wore on my belt. This was before most people had portable phones. The beeper just beeped to tell you to call work. Whenever I ended up in the tall office buildings downtown and was faced with a long elevator ride, I had a little game I liked to play. As soon as the elevator doors would slide shut, I would casually hit the test button on my beeper, causing it to beep. I would smile apologetically at those unfortunate people in the elevator with me and say, Sorry, that's my beeper, and then reach to my belt and shut it off. Meanwhile, I had my other hand in my pocket with the sound effects box. I would wait a few moments and then push a button to make a new beeping sound. I would once again apologize, telling my fellow travelers that that was my other beeper. Then I would put my free hand into some random pocket and pretend to turn this beeper off. I would continue doing this every floor or two with a different beeping sound and a different pocket each time until I got bored or had to get off the elevator. For some reason, back in those days, the only conclusions that people could draw about a man that carried five or six or seven beepers was that he must work for the CIA or a Colombian drug cartel. But nobody ever said a word to me. This strikes me as funny to this day. One last quick word on my elevator adventures. Once I was coming down in an elevator packed with secretaries and receptionists and two uptight businessmen in suits. It just happened to be National Secretaries Week. So I said rather loudly, Happy National Secretaries Week, ladies, which they seemed to appreciate. Then, just because the two businessmen didn't even bother to support my sentiment, I even more loudly said, and happy national secretaries week to you, too, gentlemen. One of them sort of sneered and replied, We are not secretaries, in a tone of voice that made it sound as if it was an unforgivable insult to be called a secretary. Hey, if it was Christmas, I would wish you a Merry Christmas, and I know you ain't Santa Claus, I responded with a straight face. No wonder those secretaries all loved me. Being silly is an art form.
1: Hey, Arthur, what's a beeper?
0: Google it, Jimmy. Most people listening will probably have to Google it, too. Driving Miss Crazy, Part 4. Or how to scare the crap out of yourself and 20 or 30 other people. So I was driving up Broadway in downtown San Diego, you know, just doing the delivery driver thing. I saw the light in front of me turn yellow, so I sped up. You know, like you do. That was when I noticed the bus. The bus that had pulled over to pick up or drop off passengers. Start to pull out right in front of me. You know, like they do. I judged the distance and the clearance. I would just make it if I stamped on the gas. I couldn't move to the left because it was already a car stopping for the soon-to-be red light there. And I did make it. Sort of. I had forgotten about the big passenger side rear view mirror on the van. So you know how buses have those rivets on the sides? It turns out that the rearview mirror was at the same height as one of those rows of rivets. You know that game kids used to play where you walk along a wooden picket fence and drag a stick over the boards to make a cool clacking sound? Now, picture that game, if the stick and the fence were both made of metal and the kid was running at 30 miles an hour. It sounded like a freaking 50 caliber machine gun. The part that I found particularly interesting as I watched the buses zip by outside my passenger window was the faces of the passengers on that bus. As I came up to each window, I would see a terrified face swivel towards me, mouths formed into interesting shapes of dread and fear eyes bulging wide. It was like I was watching the strangest movie ever made, all quick cuts of people getting caught in a moment of crisis. I didn't think it was funny while it was happening. I was too afraid, afraid that the bus would keep pulling out and I would get sandwiched between it and the car on the other side. Fortunately, the bus driver had the presence of mind to stop. I made it through the light while it was still more or less yellow. I still didn't think it was funny for the next few minutes while I got my breathing and heart rate under control and tried to dump all that adrenaline out of my system so my hands would stop shaking. And I didn't think it was funny later on when I started to feel horrible for scaring the crap out of all those unsuspecting people. But in between my fear and my guilt for a few hours, I admit that I thought that was pretty funny. I leave it for you to decide if it is funny now. I could go either way. Skillful driving is definitely an art form.
1: Hey, hey, Arthur, will you teach me how to drive?
0: Sure, Jimmy, as soon as we find an imaginary squirrel-sized imaginary car. Well, that's it for this episode. I didn't know I was going to have enough uh, material for two episodes, so I'm going to have to finish this next time. These stories only involve a short part of my life and one vehicle, and there are a few hundred other vehicular hijinks and near-death-near-misses stories I might have to tell someday. We will wrap up with the Drumpf Industries Power Ties song and the Hatfield-McCoy's Mountain Meat theme. Okay, bye people.
1: Bye people.